0: going on trophy kids we got an awesome one here for you today honestly, i honestly think this might be our best one yet which is funny because we do the afc south which is not a great division very polar opposites on both ends of it but this is a really good one we got some good betting trends to look out for here we got some really good content around it we're also talking about oklahoma and texas and the move that they are making probably to the sec and aaron Rodgers' return to the packers this is a great one thank you for listening and we'll be back next week <music> Welcome to Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is July 30th. We are back once again for, might be the worst division of football, might not be, uh, very bad in the bottom half, plays decent football in the top half of the division, the AFC South, um, bringing back Michael once again. I mean, he's going to be on for every one of these. Our uh, NFL expert is what we're going to give you, senior NFL expert title. You just got got a nice little promotion there. I'm going
1: to put that on my LinkedIn for sure.
0: <laughs> um, before we get into that, we do have some just clean up, like clean up in the football world. First thing, Mr. Aaron Rodgers, who looked like he was about to burn, burn the Packers to the ground, decided he wanted to show up for training camp, um, but proceeded to have a nice little press conference where, honestly, I didn't see a problem with any of his logic. I haven't seen a problem with him. I think it's I'm on his side for the most part with this. Um, the Packers are honestly maybe the dumbest. I mean, they're obviously a great organization, but I'm starting to question it because it's pretty dumb how they've handled a, I'm not going to say, most talented quarterback probably of my lifetime right now.
1: (laughs) I mean, generational quarterback for sure. Um, Yeah, they've kind of mishandled it. Um, They've always come across as this awesome organization, and they are, but a lot of that has to do with, well, the past almost 30, like, seven years they've had incredible quarterback play um they're very lucky in that regard You know that that can really step up the talent around them um so maybe they're not that great of an organization but yeah rogers coming back in i figured if they didn't trade him that he would come to camp i I actually didn't think that he was going to sit out you know at his age you know sitting out a whole season might not be the best idea for him but um yeah he was pretty honest in his uh in his interview i uh i can respect him for that
0: yeah, I didn't spell a lot. I don't understand how you're that brain dead as an organization to be like, <laughs> hey, we have this insanely gifted quarterback, generational talent. We, luck, not lucked into, but you know, drafted him and, and got lucky enough to hit on two quarterbacks back-to-back, which most franchises, that's like their wet dream. Um, yeah. And we didn't include him. And he was right. He said like, This isn't a vacation spot. Like, free agents aren't coming here because this is some awesome place to live. Like, nobody's like, let's go to Green Bay. And that's just a great place to live. No offense to Green Bay, you know, residents. But, like, when you have Miami, LA, Boston's of the world, New York's of the world, Chicago's, you know, other places with great football teams, that's for free. Those have a leg up. They're coming to play with Aaron Rodgers and to not include him in that discussion. To not, and it's not even, and he's asking for what quarterbacks are now rightfully so asking and demanding good quarterbacks the russ wilson's of the world tom brady's you know aaron Rodgers, is simply to have a voice in the say i mean you we're very open it's the most important position in all of football we pay it as that we respect it as that it is the most heightened position of all of football but to not include them to not hear their voice is brain debt like i don't understand how a gm or a front office can be this stupid um when it comes to this stuff and we are going to break them down later and you know it's no surprise to anybody. They have not been the best. They have they have not put together the best teams they probably could have, but they haven't needed to because Aaron
1: Rodgers just bails them out a ton. Yeah, very true. Um like you said, most important position in football. Probably the most important position in all of sports. Yes. Um to be honest with you. Um yeah, you would think he his career, what he's done in his career being an MVP. I think he's a multiple time M V P. Um he yeah, he definitely deserves to He's deserved that with what he's done with his career. Yeah. He's not asking, hey,
0: you have to make these decisions. It's simply I would like to voice my opinion and be involved in these conversations. That's fair. Yeah. That's what you would expect in any work environment. If you're an all star your work environment, you'd you'd expect to have some input if you're in a good healthy organization. There people aren't just like, this is my greatest manager. I'm not gonna listen to any input he has before we make a dramatic change. Like that doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. the CEO isn't like, man, my CFO is awesome best in the game I'm gonna ignore I'm not even gonna listen to him I'm not gonna ask his opinion I'm just gonna make a dramatic change not really how that works in most most places why would we expect it to work this way in the NFL right um all right the other thing I I know you're a college football fan but not immersed in that world as much as maybe the NFL but we have to bring it up I think. The SEC, the landscape is changing beneath our feet. They formalized today, right before we started recording this, that they are going to extend an offer to Oklahoma and Texas, which makes this arguably the most, I think, I don't even, like insane, I I wish I had a better word for this, offseason for college football, with the NIL rules coming into play, the changing of this landscape for basically free agencies in the transfer portal, Um, and now you have two historically great programs one that is just a garbage pit right now and another one that is competing on a national level every year moving to a conference that seems to be on the destination of just making themselves the nfl junior league um it's going to be interesting i don't know you know some of these changes inevitable some of these will be positive some of these will be negative oklahoma texas can't officially leave until 2025 unless the big 12 dissolves or they buy buy themselves out at like i think 75 or 80 million dollars um it's interesting i we haven't really talked about it on the show but it is it's an interesting landscape change to say the least
1: um yeah it just looks like they're getting closer and closer to the uh you know power four power conferences power four conferences yep um i never i mean i don't love the moves i never really care about the moves actually when it comes to college football i more so care about it like when it comes to college basketball so like where's kansas now gonna play they are a powerhouse college basketball team you know texas it'll be weird texas playing in the sec um you know kansas a team like kansas state kind of gets screwed because they're a good basketball team i never really care when it comes to football but like Going back to, let's say, when you know Maryland left the ACC, I didn't care Maryland left the ACC in football. I care they kind of left the ACC in basketball just because that's – so I think while I don't care so much about football, I think it impacts basketball for me personally. and That's where I kind of – it kind of bums me out when, when teams do that. But football is where all the money is, so I get why they do it, but it bums me out. Absolutely, and
0: I think that's the part that's not really being talked about much. I know Jay Billis was on there, and just like let's just have the ACC join the SEC too, and like collapse this all, which is just the ESPN money wheel talking at that <laughs> point. Um, yeah. Which people did point out, like, what if ESPN was the one that kind of got this fire started because they they have the SEC contract, they have the ACC contract, Fox has the Big Twelve conference. If Big Twelve disappears, you know where is that going? Um, but you're right. The basketball landscape is going to change dramatically. and The Big 12 is in a dogfight right now to keep that conference alive. Is it yeah. possible? Maybe. I mean, they're going to have to be really smart about this and where they try to go and trying to fight off the other conferences because if you're, I look at the Big 10... Kansas is a great move to try to get them in there for basketball. I look at West Virginia and the ACC. That would be a great move for the ACC to do. Um, I do think at the end of the day, we're probably moving to split the countries up into four. You know, Big Ten will take the Midwest territories and schools. ACC will take the Northeast and Eastern kind of seaboard up until like light Southern area, um, Southern light. The SEC will take over the South and then the Pac-12 will take over the West. But we'll see. I mean, the it, it's not over yet for the Big 12 as a conference. But it is it's it definitely has the biggest impact basketball wise. I think you're right. Football wise, I mean Texas is going to be like the fifth best team in their in the fucking West. Like people are like, oh, they're going to have so much more recruits. It's like they're Texas. They have the same recruiting lines now. Yes, there might be a kid in Florida who doesn't can't play at the University of Florida, isn't getting recruited by the University of Florida, and wants to play in the SEC that might go to Texas. But like you're not going to, you're still fighting against Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida, like all the now Oklahoma is going to be in those territories as well with you. Texas AM's and already got foots foots in those territories. So like at the end of the day, I think it shakes out pretty much the same for Texas, um, unless they manage to get a good coach. But basketball, you're right, it's going to have a huge impact there. Yeah. Um. All right, let's talk some football. AFC South. I have a fun little fact or a, a question for you. Okay, the ahead. most expensive offensive line in the league is in this division. What team do you think that might be?
1: I mean, I'm probably wrong. The easy answer would be Indianapolis because they are a top five offensive line, but I'm
0: going to say I'm wrong. You're dead wrong. It would be the Jacksonville Jaguars who have the number one expensive offensive line in the entire league. My brain that Exploded makes no sense. <laughs> when I heard that. It makes no sense. That is the team are, we're going to start with.
1: <laughs> are, are, are most of them like free agent signings? Because Jacksonville loves to go insane every offseason and overpay. So I'm assuming that might be part
0: of it. Kind of. So they franchise tagged one guy on his rookie deal. So that kind of hurt him. Um, so the way it breaks down is guard Andrew Norwell is the most expensive player on the Jags' roster based on cap hit this year. Left tackle Cam Robinson, who was franchise tagged after being with the Jacksonville Jaguars on his rookie deal, is the second most expensive player due to the franchise tag. Then you have center Brandon Linder, who is the fifth most expensive player on the team, and guard A.J. Can, who is the sixth most expensive team. To give you some perspective on this, which I got this from Warren Sharp's book, the Cleveland Browns are the second most expensive offensive line in the league. Oh.
1: That makes sense.
0: One spot behind, right? They also kept their entire offensive line from last year. The Jaguars are keeping their entire offensive line from last year. The difference, though, the Browns ranked first in run blocking and first in pass blocking in 2020. Jacksonville Jaguars ranked 25th and 19th, respectively.
1: I was going to say, I thought they ranked 20. I thought I read earlier they were the 22nd best offensive line projected. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Insanity. That is... Jacksonville Jaguars are where we're going to start. This team has been historically, almost historically bad since Sh- uh, Shad Khan bought them in 2012. They are 39 in 105. It's the fewest wins and the most losses in that time frame. They went one in 15 last year. Since 2008, the Jacksonville Jaguars have had picks, have picked in the top 10 a total of 13 times. No other team has done more than eight. Those picks, Derek Harvey, a defensive end. Uh, Monroe, a tackle. Tyson Alua, a defensive tackle. Blaine Gabbert, a quarterback. Justin Blackman, a wide receiver. Luke Jockle, a uh, tackle. Blake Bortles, Dante Fowler, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Fournette, Josh Allen, CJ Henderson. This team has been a disaster since the beginning of his ownership. Where do we stand on this team
1: and what do you think this season could even begin to look like for them? I just can't believe that their offensive line is that expensive because they had a typical Jacksonville offseason with some (laughs) big signings that just don't seem to really do the trick. Um, that's kind of their, they've been their MO recently. They, they do win the off season a lot, but I'll be honest. I looked at this roster and um, I'm generally pretty high on Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I'm for, for a number one pick quarterback going into the situation that most number one pick quarterbacks go into, they generally don't have much talent around them. However, I'll, Lawrence kind of has some talent around him um know he's got dj shark marvin jones marvin jones by the way that guy is a magnet to the end zone he is i think he's had i want to say four seasons um, where he's where he's had nine or ten touchdowns four out of his eight seasons um he's only had one 1,000 yard season but the dude just finds the end zone um and then they also got they uh picked the guy out of clemson kind of based on travis etienne um they have james robinson so I will say for a number one pick, I actually kind of like the, the talent around Lawrence. None of them are studs, but they're all solid players. I'm um, a little concerned about defense, concerned about the offensive line, uh, but the, the schedule is not that bad because they, they have Houston twice. They got the Dolphins, Broncos, Bengals, Jets. We'll see how the Falcons are this year. I, From what I'm seeing in my book, I'm getting six and a half win total. Yep. 17 games. I'm not very high on this team, but I don't hate the over. I'm not either. This is a weird team. It's a weird team. I I think there is some talent on the team, and I I think Trevor Lawrence will be pretty good. I don't know how Urban Meyer is going to be as a coach. Um, I have my doubts as him as an NFL coach. But um, I don't see the team being very threatening, but I, I could see them pulling off seven wins with the talent they have. They have some cupcakes on the schedule. I could see it happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, their benefit is they get to play the Houston Texans twice, which yes. we're going to get to in a moment. Yeah. I mean, it's there. Like the, the opportunities are there. I think you kind of hit all all the major points. Like this team, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he is he's the linchpin to this whole thing. They, I don't know how I feel about the organization as a whole and kind of the direction they're headed with Urban Myers because you know Urban Myers, his. Let me back this up. To your Marvin Jones point, you hit it right on the head. That that dude is a magnet for the end. So you get him in space. Yeah, he is insane. You're right. Last four years, he's had three seasons with at least nine touchdowns. His yak is insane. Like his average depth per catch is good. Like average yards per catch. Like everything is very good. Um, His catchability is fantastic. Um, He's a very solid player. They don't have like a true number one wide receiver, which would be interesting, which is why that Travis Intien pick was so weird to me. Um, because it's like you have depth at the running back position a little bit because you saw last year James Robinson play extremely well for an undrafted rookie. He um, he had the most yards from the line of scrimmage of any undrafted rookie in the history of NFL. So, like, there's potential there. We'll see what it looks like.
1: But... I mean, he was rookie of the year conversation.
0: Yes, exactly. So, like, you had yeah. depth. Now, they seem to be looking to get him, Travis Etienne, in space and catching the ball out of the backfield and lining him up at slot potentially, which would be interesting. That kind of fits with Urban Meyers. I mean, what Urban Meyers did great and sort of revolutionized college offenses was getting players in space and getting the ball into their hands quickly, Um, which Trevor Lawrence was a huge fan of at Clemson as far as getting the ball out. They ran a ton of screens. Um... But we've also seen Urban towards the latter days of his career get very stubborn offensively at Ohio State and rely mostly on recruiting talent, which you can't do in the NFL. Um, He very much became more of a rah-rah kind of guy, a heavy recruiter kind of guy, less about the X's and O's, that type of thing. So there is concerns there. Plus, the Greg Doyle hire wasn't great, bringing in Tebow, interesting move. I have some big reservations about Urban Meyer as we discussed when he got hired. but I'm with you. The roster isn't terrible like there is talent in places um the question is going to be how does trevor lawrence perform with that offensive line because it is bad based on sports info solutions points above average metric which works off of epi i got this from warren sharp there left tackles cam robinson and juan taylor ranked 64 and 66 out of 66 offensive tackles like, that ain't great. I don't know if the Jacksonville Jaguars have noticed, but the NFL's kind of got some studs at the edge. And they don't exactly play teams that, you know, are terribly weak there. Like, they get Denver in week two. Trevor Lawrence is probably going to get murdered that game. Like, that's just the reality. They play Arizona the game after that. If Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt are still on that team, that's a fucking disaster right there as well. So, it's... Trevor Lawrence is going to have, I think, a tough time. Um... But he is, I mean, he is as, coming out of college, he's one of the best prospects outside of Andrew Luck in the last couple decades. Mm -hmm. Whether he succeeds or not, we'll see. I don't know. I I have reservations about him, but I also, that's like, my reservations are nitpicking the dude. It's like, he ran a lot of RPO in college. Yeah. Okay, like, so do most, like, Justin Herbert had the same issue, but he was fantastic last year. Also has more talent around him, but, like, just because he ran a lot of that doesn't necessarily mean. So we'll see. Um, I don't know. I, I, there are some winnable games. You hit it on the head. They play the jets. They play the Texans twice. You know, they play Atlanta. We'll see what Atlanta looks like when we break them down a little bit here too. They get the Bengals. They get, you know, there are winnable games, but well, they also have some very tough games. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know where I, I don't know. I want to see this team in preseason before I make, I it's lean, a tough one yeah, I lean a little under on the over, but I, they're probably third in the division this year. They're going to finish third. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a franchise that they're in deep, man, and they're in bad shape. Um, and they their draft with the ETM pick, unless the idea, I just, he's a good player, loved him in college. It's just like, that wasn't a need. You had so many other no, needs. I don't understand it outside of that. And they had Shaq Griffin, who, you know, gives a little to the back end. Um, Rashawn Jenkins, too. So, you know, they they did some things in free agency that, that makes sense, at least.
1: They did. I mean, in free agency, last year, I believe they were like, 30 30 or 31st on defense so i mean they did go heavy defense in free agency which they needed to do um we just know that doesn't always fix teams so we'll see exactly
0: um all right let's talk about the dumpster fire that is the texas houston's this might be i mean this is why i was like is this when i first when i first said the afc south i was like is this the worst division in all football tough because you have the titans and colts on the the front end it's very polar opposites as far as franchises here very heavily weighted towards the bottom and then some good football teams the Texans went four and 12 last year their win total sits at i think four and a half last i saw it's a bad situation down there i what are your initial thoughts here this roster i looked at it is it's ugly man it is not
1: good it's it's ugly, and I'm I'm thinking you and I are both going off the assumption that Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback.
0: Yes, year. I should have disclosed wow. that. I do think the assumption when breaking this down, which makes it a little tougher, because if yeah. Jason's there, and we we could talk about it at length him, but it, it doesn't feel right to sort of break him down given he's probably it not going to be yeah. playing. Um, it's a whole different scenario because he was phenomenal on a terrible team, but this team without him and Tyrod Taylor. Yeah.
1: Whew. So I'm going off yeah that assumption that you know Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback um it's it's a pretty poor roster overall they're a team with a lot of like like i don't want to say older weapons but kind of older weapons like you know brandon cooks he's a fine player but he's he's not he's never been like that over the top like terrifying weapon they brought in mark ingram they brought him philip Lindsay. um they basically signed no one of note really um they also, for, you know, since they were okay last year, they have a very daunting schedule. And one thing that I meant to mention uh, with the Jaguars in general is that this division is playing the NFC West. So that is, I mean, for Houston and uh, Jacksonville, that's that, that's four automatic losses in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. I 100% and, agree with that. <laughs> yeah. So when we're looking at the over under a four and a half, I'm, you know, that's four losses there. Um They're probably, you know, Houston at least is probably going to lose both to Indy, probably going to lose both to Tennessee. Maybe they beat Jacksonville once. Um, So this is a big under. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad to say when the number's four and a half because this roster is bad. I mean, it's on offense, it's Brandon Cooks and Kiki Cutie. um, (laughs) And. Their running backs, David Johnson. I forgot to mention that as the older weapons. Tyrod, I mean, but Tyrod, look, I, I, Tyrod can be on a team with a really good defense, a good run game. Um, Buffalo is perfect for him. Good defense, good run game when he played for Buffalo. Bad weather, so th- the other teams, you know, couldn't air the ball out. Tyrod on the right team could be a good player, but he's not. He doesn't throw the ball downfield. He's not. He, he his his max that he'll throw for this year is thirty-five hundred yards, in my opinion, and that's high. I would go under. But he's a good, he's a fine player. He won't turn the ball over take care of the ball, but he's not going to win you games. This is a bad team. This is a bad (laughs) team. They are, it's... There's not a lot of positives.
0: I mean, Bill, what Bill O'Brien did to this franchise is honestly criminal. I mean, it is. He left them with almost no draft capital. They didn't have a pick until the third round this year. Um, like, there's literally almost no draft capital. This team defensively was atrocious. The only reason they did improve offensively between 2019 and 2020, but that's because Deshaun Watson had an yeah. unbelievable year f- for what he was given. Like, unbelievable. I think people sort of, like, don't, really fathom how insane his season was last year due to the talent he had like it's insane um but they don't have him you're right Tyrod taylor that's i like Tyrod taylor i think you know he's sort of gotten a bad shake at times because he's mostly been on teams where they kind of gone and got a younger quarterback which to be honest makes sense i mean he's kind of that middle of the road quarterback like he's not the top but he's also not the worst um like there are some quarterbacks in this league where i'm like how the hell are you still on an NFL roster? That's crazy. Um but he's gonna struggle here. And defensively, they are really bad. Um they ranked 25th in pressure rate last season, even though they blitzed at the east highest rate in the league. They did add, add Shaq Lawson, you know, he had a pretty good pressure rate last year, but like he's not you don't look at him and go, Oh, that that solves that issue. Um yeah. like, oh, they're gonna be so much better defensively because of that. Um it's it, there's not a lot I have to say about this team outside of it's just bad. Like, it's just really, really bad. And I don't know how it gets better anytime soon.
1: You can make the argument that in the last two years, um, well, really one calendar year, um, they have lost their top four players, if you're including Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, and J.J. Watt. <laughs> <laughs> and... They have replaced that with Brandon Cooks, Tyrod Taylor, David Johnson, and Shaq Lawson. Yeah.
0: And Marcus Canning at right tackle. Don't forget about him. Oh, you no. Know, yeah. how, yeah. how could you forget?
1: <laughs> how could, this team is very bad. Very but, poor team.
0: Very poor. And here's just their schedule. You mentioned who they're sort of playing here. They get it's Jacksonville hard. right off. Great. Okay. Then they go Browns, Panthers, Bills, Patriots, Colts. Cardinals, Chargers, Miami, Titans, Jets, Colts, Seahawks, Jacksonville, Chargers, 49ers, Titans.
1: Those last three games, they might die. Like, there might be some dudes that just say, fuck it, why are we doing this? I mean, you just read that schedule to me. They might beat Jacksonville once, they might beat the Jets. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see them winning any other games.
0: It's tough. I mean, they're hoping they're hoping to stay 100% healthy in other teams be a hundred percent injured almost like that's that's where they're at <laughs> yeah that is wow brutal they did draft david for those you know what's behind him because they also lost aj mccarron as the backup so their backup is david mills out of stanford who ran in one of the most conservative offense in probably all of college football so who knows what he'll look like people were very high in him he might be good he might be bad i honestly don't have a great take on him because he played in one of the most conservative offenses in all of college. So, like, how am I going to be like, yeah, this dude can come out here and sling the ball if need be? Um, Hard to tell. Yeah, hard to tell. All right. Let's have some fun with some actually good teams. (laughs) I'm going to start with the Colts because the Colts are – they're a team that, to Frank's credit, just gets shit done. He has had a different quarterback every year he has been there, and he just continues to find – wins. This team, the one thing I'm going to get before we get into this, possible gambling trend, first half money lines. Over the last three seasons, the order of teams with the most leads going into halftime, Ravens at 34, Chiefs at 31, Saints at 30, Colts at 29, Packers at 8. Pretty interesting. Like That is positive money for the last three years if you bet their money line first half. Could be something going into this season, but they have some question marks, probably biggest one, a quarterback, but I'll let you kind of take it. They were five and 11, two, by the way, last year. Um, initial
1: thoughts there. I was actually surprised. Like the Colts since post Peyton, Peyton Manning, I have kind of disrespected them leading up to every single NFL season. Yet they're always good. Um, for the most part, they're always a, a, a good team. Um, and then I, I, you know, and, the AFC South in general is one division I really don't pay a lot of attention to. Um, Dude, I was so having I... a hard
0: time remembering all four teams when we and I said, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, Dude, I th- like, I could think of Jacksonville. I forgot the Titans entirely. I was like, who the fuck's the fourth team? I was like, Colts, <laughs> yeah. Jacksonville, Texans. Fuck, I'm missing one more. <laughs> it's
1: it's not a division I pay close attention to. So when I looked at this team, I was like, this is a very solidly built, just good football team like that it seemed like a perfect like midwest football team they're like a (laughs) big they're just (laughs) they're a good team like i was just looking at them i was like okay you know they have a fantastic offensive line um you hope carson wentz can recognize that this is a fantastic offensive line don't panic don't try to extend every single play hopefully wentz can play within himself i think he i think he's gonna play pretty well honestly i if I'm glad he's out of my division. Um, if I were Philly, I would not have traded him yet. Um, I realized the situation was kind of, kind of getting a little, a little dicey over there. So I kind of get why they got rid of him, but I probably wouldn't have, I think Carson Wentz is talented. I think he can resurrect his career there. Um, you know, he's going back with some old coaching staff where he played his best football. Um, but this is just a really good team. They have a very solid defense. They, I think they were like eight last year. It could be wrong on that, but I believe they're around eight. Um, and they didn't lose much on that defense, so they have a good defense, a great offensive line. They are a Big Ten football team. They are going over nine and a half. I don't know if you have uh, my book has nine and a half. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going over that. I, I actually really, I like this Colts team a lot more than I was um, expecting to. I think also, just my opinion. um This is my this is a this is my fantasy advice. I am a uh, Former champion, um, returning champion. So you are. I know (laughs) what I'm talking about. Um, Do not select Jonathan Taylor. They are. They are a three back team. They have three talented running backs. So I would stay a million miles away from all three running backs unless they start having injuries. But that's my uh, that's my fantasy advice on this team. I'd agree with that.
0: And it, it it honestly. Fantasy works against you if you draft one of them, but for them it works well against them cuz the way they can just rotate backs in and keep guys fresh, it oh, yeah. is tough to keep up with that. You're right. This is like when I think Midwest football, like this is like a Big 10 college team just in the NFL. Like they're just a good, solid football team, built the right way. They're not on the top ceiling of teams, but they're really really good and they are tough out against every and they have a tough schedule. But they're a tough out, and they are a physical football team, especially at the point of attack on the lines. Um, I agree with you. I, Carson Wentz has shown that he has some real talent in that. Area. Oh, yeah. But he's essentially got the equivalent of, you know, the golf yips, where, like, you know, you see golfers who've made a putt a thousand times just all of a sudden mentally can't do it. Or, you know, in recent news with Simone Biles, kind of the twisties, where mentally he's just having this blockage, it feels like, um, and can't really go out there and, and play. And that could be due to the kind of situation that's going on in Philly and that offensive line has not been healthy over the last couple of years and kind of the right. progressions he's had to make. I mean, he's going in as everybody said and everybody pointed out to, it's not a new or hot take. He's going to the best possible situation. He's going to a head coach who knows him, probably what he can do better than anybody else because he got the most out of him when he was the offensive coordinator with the Eagles. And he's going with an offensive line he can trust. Now they did lose Anthony uh, Castanazzo at a tackle with that surprise retirement. They get Eric Fisher. He's coming off an ACL um or no, Twenty Achilles? Twenty Achilles. Twenty Achilles. Um okay. so we'll see what he looks like. But if he returns to normal, you know, that's a good that's a good tackle right there. Maybe not the best in the league, but a good tackle. Either way, the entire offensive line is a unit that was good. The defense is very solid. Um the wide receiving core leaves some to be be desired, but it's it's doable. Um and the running backs. Yeah. Good. Like it's just a like I just outside of just being like, it's a very good football team. I don't really know how else to do it. Um, they can get pressure. Buckner's really good at it. They drafted, um, Payne, who had the highest pressure rate in the draft class. This is a good football
1: team, man. It, it, it is a good team. And like you said, the wide receivers, they're not great. Um, I do expect a better, um, a, obviously a better season out of Pittman in his second season. Um, He's That's he's true. kind of an animal. Um, I do like I loved how in the offseason he wouldn't give up his number to Carson Wentz. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> um, I think after you do something like that, you you better uh, put up some numbers. Fuck yeah. Uh, and I mean, his dad was. I mean, you know who his dad was. So his dad was kind of an animal himself. He's he was a monster beast, he was a tough man. Um, so I would expect Pittman, you know, in his second year to kind of step up his game a little bit. T.Y. is getting old. Um, if you look at Ty's numbers, man, Ty has had a great career. Yeah, I think he has like five or six one thousand yard seasons. He's had a great career. He's, he's only thirty. He's only turning thirty two, so maybe he can play well with uh, Wentz. Yeah, I mean, I just like this team. I, I kind of get like I get strong Iowa vibes from him. Iowa yeah. football. <laughs>
0: very much so. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton, due to the market he's in and, and the division <laughs> yeah. he's in, he doesn't really get the attention unless you're a fantasy player and have him, or you're a football addict. He does seem to go sort of more under the radar um, as one of those like very solid, consistently great kind of wide receivers in the league. Um, yeah. Jack Doyle's good at tight, at tight end, too. The defense, like I said, is good. The problem that the Colts are going to have is their schedule is polar opposites. The beginning is brutal. First eight games, the Colts will face six teams that are f- favored to make the playoffs. Seven, t- The 17th, Miami, which had nine wins last season. But the back end of their schedule is a cakewalk um, those last couple games. So if they can make it through the first kind of half of the season, good. I shouldn't say cakewalk, but it's an easier part of it for them. Yeah, they're looking pretty good. I I don't know if they're going to win the division because this next team we're about to talk about is going to be there, but they, I have a hard time not just because of how consistent they are and kind of the one kind of Achilles heel of the Titans, which we're going to talk about here. This is just a damn good football team that's very well coached. Frank Wright is – and he's also – what I love about Frank Wright, which is so counter – the NFL, well, it's becoming more so with the analytics, is he loves to go forward on fourth. He's just like, fuck it, let's go. He is super aggressive, and I like that. I like a coach who puts faith in his players and like, let's go fucking kick their ass. We're going to get this fourth down here, um, which is good. So I'm with you on this. I don't know if there were any other thoughts before we, we move on to this next team here. Um, No, nothing left. Just damn good football team, like we said. Damn good football team. Let's talk about the Monstars and the Tennessee Titans because that is essentially what this offense is. They might have put together the biggest group of offensive human beings between Derrick Henry, Tom, Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. I mean, this team on offense is insanity. The defense couldn't stop a nosebleed last yeah. season. But the offense, I mean, they went 11-5 and last year. I'm getting their win total at about 9.5. Um, I don't know what you're seeing it at. But since they made the switch to Tannehill, the Titans have gone 60... 60- uh, 69% um, wins at 18-8. and eight. The Titans have averaged 22.7 f- uh, first downs per game, the fifth most in the NFL behind the Chiefs, Cowboys, Falcons, Saints. The Titans have averaged 30.6 points per game, which is the third best in the NFL behind only the Ravens and Saints. They've also averaged 165 rushing yards per game, second most in the NFL behind the Ravens. And The Titans have averaged .93 points per minute, most in the NFL. This offense is insanity, and you add Julio Jones to it. I don't honestly know how you stop this. You stack the box to prevent Derrick Henry. Oh, you have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on the outside. You decide to not stack the box. You've got a fridge running between the tackles and outside guards who should be playing defensive end and instead of playing running back and smashing your face in. Like, I don't know how you stop this team. And you have a quarterback whose accuracy on deep throws, 20 yards plus, is ranked third last year. I don't know how you beat this team like defensively if you're playing against them. (laughs) So
1: yeah, this team, I think, um, I mean, no disrespect to your Tampa Bay bucks who have ridiculous offensive talent, but they probably have the best one, two, three punch when it comes to wide receiver running back combo in the NFL. I mean, it is crazy. Um, Now I will say like, like I said on the last team, you know, I, Kind of need to dive into the AFC South to really get the AFC South. Um, outside of those three, and like Ryan Tannehill, I don't really like this team as much as I thought I did no, um, yeah. going into like going into the season in general. You know, the whole Julio news and everything. I think kind of like overhyped my expectations for this team, and I was kind of thinking like Super Bowl potential. Um, I mean, I'm not saying they can't win a Super Bowl. I think they're definitely a playoff contending team. But outside of those three, I actually. Don't really love the team as much as I thought I did. Um, they have really good run blocking, which you know makes sense when you have Derrick Henry, considering if, even if you don't block everyone, he'll probably throw the first guy off of them. Um, so they, they have great run blocking. Their pass blocking last year was not very good, actually. Um, and their defense can't stop anyone. Nope. Um, I did like the, the pick of Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech, uh, defensive back. Virginia Tech just, I mean, they just produce defensive backs. Yep. Right. I, honestly, I don't think it's talked about enough. Everyone always says LSU, like Ohio State, but I, I mean, Virginia Tech's right there. Yep. Um, um, but other than that, I, I actually, I, I'm going over the nine and a half, but I'm not quite as high on this team as I thought I was. I love the offense, obviously. I really do. But the defense is just real bad. And I. <sighs> it's taken me a while to accept brian tannell but he is good and he has so many weapons so he, he'll be fine um you know you, you lose johnny smith and cory davis but you bring in julio so it doesn't really matter but to me this is um this is the second place team in the division I, I have the colts winning this division titans when i actually took a dive into them they're not quite as impressive as i thought they were but they're still probably like a 10 win team
0: yep so, I mean, the before without signing Julio, this team would have been in real trouble with the loss of Adam Humphreys and Corey Davis. Like, that wide receiving room was looking... Star- like, A.J. Brown's a freak, but, like, let's yeah. be honest here. Like, this, this team is in tough, tough shape. Um, Ryan Tannehill. Adam Gase is the biggest crime against the NFL humanity <laughs> there's ever been. Like, players leave his black hole... And just all of a sudden become good. It was one of the bigger mind fucks I think ever seeing Ryan Tannehill because he was also a guy that I feel like every year we're like, man, if he could just really put it together, he's got the potential. Man, if he couldn't get, if he doesn't get hurt, he's really got the potential. And then you put him on this team, and he explodes. Um, some will point to the fact that it is a new offensive coordinator this year, you know. How much of it was Arthur Smith? How much of it was Ryan Tannehill and Brown combo? And Derrick Henry and the players? You know, Did the play calling really change that much between Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill? Not really, but they executed a hell of a lot better. This defense, and this is where I guess my question to you, how do you feel about Mike Rabel? Because I think this is that year where we're going to figure out if he is a good head coach or not, to be honest, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about him, but he he's an interesting one to me.
1: I think so, too, because the defense wasn't that great last year, and they, they lost a lot on a defense that wasn't even very good. Yep. Um, I mean, they did bring in, you know, they brought in Bud Dupree, who's a stud, so that, that'll that help. But, I mean, you know, they lost, you know, to David Clowney, who, I mean, he only goes to teams for one year anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They lost to Dory Jackson, um, so they've, they definitely lost – I believe they lost Malcolm Butler, too. They did. So they, he's on the Cardinals
0: lost, now. <laughs>
1: yeah, okay. So they, they've they lost a lot of talent on a defense that wasn't very good to begin with. So, you know, I, I do agree. It's kind of a year that will be very telling uh, for Mike Vrabel.
0: Yeah, because Mike Vrabel is an interesting one to me. Like, he is either going to be one of those coaches where, you know, he's not – He's not a Sean McVay where he's very heavily involved in the play calling or an Andy Reid or whatever. But is he one of those coaches that is able to staff extremely well and then kind of let them run the show while he focuses on big picture stuff. And if he is that kind of guy, and we're going to see that because they have a new defensive coordinator and they have a new offensive coordinator. And by de- new defensive coordinator, Shane Brown was there last year, but Mike Vrabel was calling. He took over the defense at one point. It didn't get any better. And now Shane Brown is going to be um, the defensive coordinator and play caller while Jim Schwartz was brought in as a defensive coordinator assistant, which I do like because Jim Schwartz, he, yes. he if somebody's going to turn around a defense as far as coordinators go right now, He was got the guy to go out and hire because most like the top bowls of the world are locked up. He's a decent hire, but that defense. I mean, their efficiency was bad last year. I think they were like the 29th most efficient defense. They had 19 sacks and they lost a lot on the defensive line. Like they didn't get better there, and their corners lost a lot of depth between uh, Butler and uh, Desmond King. So the defense is that Achilles heel. The offense is tough because if Ryan Tannehill stays consistent. It is a tough question. I mean, the offensive line isn't great, but Tannehill gets the ball out quick, and it is such an efficient offense as far as the kind of players they have. It's tough to imagine teams being able to stop them a ton, but then on the flip side, it's almost impossible to see this defense really doing anything. I mean, Bud Dupree's awesome, but I I just don't... Like, he's not good enough on his own.
1: (laughs) Not at all. Um, Yeah, it's weird, because it's like Mike Vraypool has coach teams that have all finished above 500 but his specialty is defense and their defense hasn't been good but his team has overall been pretty good so it's just it's very odd yeah, right it's weird
0: yeah it's gonna. i think it's gonna be that year that we figure out like you know how good of a head coach is mike Vrabel? is it was it more of just a situation where he got lucky with kind of arthur smith running the offense and that bailed him out or is he the kind of guy sort of like i'm not gonna say He's obviously not Belichick, let me preface that, but a Belichick-like who, where coordinators can come in and out, but the program is good enough to kind of sustain itself. Right. Yeah. We'll see. Not Bill Belichick, but that kind of coach. He's not a Sean McVay or a Kyle Shanahan where they are the operation, or an right. Andy Reid, but, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I think it's going to be a big year for Mike Vrabel and figuring out where he's at. It's an interesting schedule for them. I do think they're probably second, but if that defense shows up, they're a fucking yeah, tough team to beat. I don't know sure. how you beat
1: them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, anytime the defense is actually playing well, yeah, they'll be tough to beat.
0: Um, I think that's all I had. So I, I have it. I think we're the exact same once again. Colts are are my favorite going in. Titans and then Jags. Fucking Texans. The Texans are going to be so bad. Texans.
1: Texans. I don't see them getting more than three. <laughs> yeah. I, they'd be lucky to get three. They are. That's a that's a bad team. <laughs> Such a bad team.
0: Um, all right. That'll I don't know if you have anything else uh, before we wrap this up, but that is it's a it's a bad it's an interesting division. Polar opposites on both sides, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, really are. All right. Well that will do it for us. We'll be back next week, and as always, peace. Thanks.